story seven of lanagan amateur detective by edward h hurlbut this librivox recording is in the public domain story seven the pendleton legacy i have always considered bannerman said jack lanagan deliberately the crookedest judge that ever sat on the bench in san francisco attorney haddon distinguished in criminal practice thumped his office table exactly he said have felt that way about it myself but he seems to have a hold on the people and he makes capital out of the fact that he ever permits a shyster lawyer to practice in his court simple replied lanagan he doesn't have to he does business with fogarty direct they take dinner two or three times a week at the st germain other times they use the telephone those are things people don't know there aren't many who do outside of myself but at that i suppose he might get by with the long-eared public with the explanation that billy fogarty bail bond grafter and a chief of the shysters was a schoolmate of his raised on the same street and a member of one or two fraternal organizations with him all of which is true bannerman he continued doesn't bother with small cases he's after the big stuff and i have a hunch that somewhere back of this case there is big graft he has been against us from the start and by the lord harry lanagan had arisen his black eyes snapping i've put several men in jail but here's one that i'm going to get out peters no more murdered that little child of his than i did it's an absolute obsession with me that there is some colossal mystery back of the whole thing some gigantic conspiracy and bannerman's attitude to-day gives me the first direct line to work on i have had i'm going to work on it again at once charles peters a machinist twenty-five years of age had been held to answer by bannerman that day to the higher court on a charge of murder for slaying his weak old son it was a case that had attracted wide attention when several organizations of women's club took a stand against peters he had married as was brought out at the preliminary hearing a woman of the night-life who had made him to all report a capable wife originally from oakland after the marriage he had moved to an isolated little home on the outskirts of the potrero where neither he nor his wife were known before their child was born they had been overheard by a passing neighbor in a violent quarrel peters freely admitted the quarrel but explained that on the particular night in question he had been overwrought with a particularly hard day's labor returned home wearied and worried to find a statement from the doctor for a large amount and for a moment had become resentful at having another mouth to feed with nothing but debt before him the quarrel he said was quickly made up and the relations of the two were happy up to and after the child was born but the prosecuting attorney had made great use of the evidence bannerman ruling consistently against the objections of haddon the dead child had been found by a crone who was ministering to mrs peters she had placed it in a cot in a room adjacent to the mother's room and had left both mother and child asleep at about six thirty o'clock while she went out to attend to some small purchases she returned at about a quarter to seven to find peters just home from his work and sitting by his wife's bed she was asleep it was not for some little time later that the beldame going to the child's cot discovered that it was dead 
her first suppressed cry had been heard by the acute ears of the mother even in sleep and she awakened from slumber to call for her babe in the excitement that followed with the husband and the beldame she became alarmed and rising made her way to the adjoining room to discover the dreadful truth she sank rapidly after the shock and died within a few days it was not until the doctor coming on a call to attend the mother examined the child that the marks of strangulation were discovered on its little throat the police were promptly notified after one nice detention the old woman was freed of suspicion and the police hand fell on peters he protested that he had entered the house not fifteen minutes before the old woman had found both mother and babe asleep as he supposed and had sat down by his wife's side to watch until the nurse returned such were the principal facts lanagan working from a stubborn conviction of peter's innocence had devoted much attention to the case finally when the police brought peters to trial lanagan had enlisted the services of haddon to defend him lanagan had known haddon for a good many years known him when he was a young prosecutor in the police courts he had given him many friendly boosts in those days haddon had never forgotten he was frank to admit that it was the newspaper men at police headquarters constantly featuring him in the police news who gave him his real start after bannerman had ruled as a committing magistrate binding peters over to trial for murder lanagan had walked to haddon's office reviewing the events of the day it was his own conviction as well as that of haddon that in all fairness from the evidence presented bannerman should have dismissed the charge that he should have held peters as guilty gave lanagan a freshened enthusiasm in peters behalf because it appeared to lanagan that bannerman was acting under powerful pressure in finding such a holding even with the sentiment created by neurotic women in favour of a conviction i'll keep you posted on developments said lanagan as he left haddon's office cheerfully helping himself to a fistful of the cigars which that discriminating smoker imported for his own use i may need your service later samson he said to his city editor a few moments later there's something funny about that peters case in spite of their holding him to answer haddon thinks as i do i'm going to tackle it again tear into it jack said sampson you haven't turned much up lately anyhow think you're going stale oh, we'll see said lanagan briefly the st germain in the days before the fire had a public entrance on stockton street and a private entrance on o'farrell directly across from the private entrance was a cigar stand and there lanagan loitered for an hour or more if i'm right in this thing he said bannerman and fogarty will be getting together to talk over the situation and if they do i'll let them know pretty pronto that we suspect a nigger in the woodpile somewhere and see if i can't start them to covering up in a fashion that i can follow it was about dusk when he suddenly crossed the street and went in at the private door fogarty had entered a few minutes before lanagan did not worry about bannerman he would take the front door with his high silk hat and his frock coat and his exaggerated impeccability that old french restaurant had turned up more than one good story in its day and the upper floor steward was one of lanagan's numerous leaks in the night-life district 
a dollar to the steward and he had been told the number of the room where bannerman was dining he knocked at the door as the waiter might gently it was fogarty who half opened it lanagan caught a glimpse of bannerman who passed the plate in the church on sundays with a dry martini nicely poised at his lips a champagne cooler stood comfortably by fogarty for a moment seemed about to close the door but was quick-witted enough not to do so want me jack he asked suavely he was of the full-fed type of saloon man a sort of near broker in appearance come on in and join us thanks said lanagan shortly just ate i was curious to see who bannerman was dining with that's all the dry martini struck the table suddenly and slopped over what a miserable weak sister of a crook thought lanagan i can admire a big crook but this breed why my dear mr lanagan exclaimed bannerman coming forward so hastily his napkin trailed behind him from his collar where it had been tucked i've just met my old friend william quite accidentally we went to school together you know i seldom see him nowadays to hear the notorious billy fogarty called william made lanagan smile fogarty himself had difficulty repressing his grin judge said lanagan smoothly you lie don't try to peddle any of that stuff on me you see him about three times a week right here in this room and you regulate your court calendar by what he tells you i had very particular reasons for wondering whether you were here to-night i see you are so long billy enjoy that wine judge but you better order another martini before either could make reply he backed away from the door and left the cafe pretty fair start he muttered to himself grimly a judge with bannerman's appreciation of newspapers will have a lively understanding of the mess i caught him in if there is anything wrong here there will be a get-together of some sort quick his thoughts swung back to the case in hand the man who was big enough to take that woman away from the night-life and make her his wife was not the man who was killing their child he repeated to himself with stubborn reiteration and yet there could not be found hitherto the slightest shard of motive on the part of any one else to account for the killing and yet so far as lanagan's investigations had gone in the case peter's record was found to be ordinary enough and neither in his life nor that of his family was there anything irregular to be discovered that would create the barest suspicion of any person seeking to strike at him through the child there could be found not the slightest shard of motive on the part of any one else to account for the killing the life of the wife began with the meeting with peters what her heritage was or her history before that time proved a problem absolutely insoluble to lanagan and the police although the police for their part did little save work to fasten the crime on the husband even the brilliant leslie greatest chief of his time taking that line the records of the night-life are unwritten save where the requiescat is inscribed when a callous deputy coroner blots the entry at the morgue who she was before she came into the brooding shadow of the night-lights was a secret that if any of the wastrels there knew they guarded it it is more than likely that they did not know it is a great wide way the entrance there she had come by that way one of a multitude into the shadows and out 
whether she went out for happiness or ill whether to a free life or a sombre death few there cared to ask even if they recalled her at all ceaselessly lanagan had searched that district he could trace her back to the time when peters met her and no further that incident had made some trifling stir merely because the guy who got copped on gracie had taken her away and really married her or so they had heard otherwise she had come into that tenderloin district as many of her transitory sisters with a suitcase but whether from far or near no one could say the influences that were eager to land peters in the penitentiary were unquestionably the same that murdered the child so lanagan argued under the spell of his new theory they had not slain the mother directly but they may have shrewdly calculated the effect upon her in her precarious condition of the death of the child knowledge of which could scarcely be kept from her let us suppose then mused lanagan let us suppose that someone wanted the child out of the way and now wants the husband out of the way it would be possible to hang him for that crime in the present state of the public mind and with bannerman holding him to answer for murder life is the least he will get what happens the child of gracie dubois is dead the husband is or soon will be civilly dead she is dead but that does not appear to have a moving cause why the child's death and the father's imprisonment undoubtedly so that someone may profit but who who concealed back of the shadows of the night lights kept grim watch on gracie dubois who was concerned with the fate of that poor wretched girl anxious only for redemption for a decent life what dead hand is it that has slain her issue and blighted her poor hopes for happiness and her passionate ambition for motherhood and bannerman with his high silk hat and his frock coat and his impeccable respectability came before him insistently bannerman with his dry martini and his quart of wine and his vis-a-vis -vis dinner with william fogarty many thoughts that apparently flash into the mind spontaneously are but the products of a chain of thought carried consistently over a period of time it was so with lanagan and his sudden theory of the dead hand of a case that in some manner reverted back to a will or to an inheritance he was rather surprised that the thought had not occurred sooner but he had been busied with other thoughts and theories and it was not until the way had been cleared that in its logical time that theory had suddenly struck him with conviction and obviously it was the only theory that had not as yet been exploited by him that some time back in the earlier life of that poor waif of the night life there might lie the solution of the crime financial reasons for desiring to be rid of her progeny and her natural legatee her husband the question intruded why was not the husband murdered as well there might be many reasons but one would answer his imprisonment would suffice even if he were not executed and if he managed to avoid any penalty there would be time enough to see him and leading back to that dead hand theory of his lanagan could see but two links bannerman and fogarty from the neighbourhood of the st germain he got me on the wire 
cover fogarty's he said pick up some of the bunch and drop in casually keep your eye on him if he's there and who he talks to spend some money and get soberly drunk if necessary to allay any suspicion that he is being watched get sampson on the phone by ten o'clock there may be a message for you i hadn't the faintest idea what it was all about but lanagan's voice was as snappy as a drill-master i went to the reporter's room at police headquarters and led a bunch to fogarty's to rattle the dice for a round or two it was pay night and money was free if fogarty after he came in had any suspicions of me he knew that lanagan and i always worked together they were soon allayed the dice rolled blithely for an hour or two with one of the boys dropping out occasionally to cover the police beat for the others while the play went on but nothing happened and i slipped away to get sampson on the phone it was ten o'clock he was didactic as usual and as irritatingly brief report to lanagan room eight o two fairmont take the back stairs and make the room above all things without being seen that same old tingle that always shot up my spine when lanagan was calling me in on the smash of one of his grand climaxes shivered up to my hair roots in a general way i knew the quest he was on but that his search should have led him to the fairmont hotel on the very crest of aristocratic knob hill was sufficient without further information to set my imagination humming the door was open and i entered noiselessly lanagan was lying on the bed smoking he jumped up here he said quickly indicating a chair drawn up before the door leading to the adjoining room they were sweet rooms but used separately sit there until i get back and take notes on what you hear keep your ear glued to that hole he had cut with his pocket-knife an inch hole in the panelling of the door he had whittled it so nicely that it was not quite cut entirely through you will find you can hear everything that is said in an ordinary tone of voice there's no one in there now an englishman named holmes has the room pretty soon i expect him and larry leighton in there with a girl i am going out and get hold of leslie lock the door after me and keep your ears open for us when we get back i won't knock but will turn the handle once or twice what's the lay i asked no time to talk now he flung back over his shoulder and was gone it was probably twenty minutes later when the occupants of the adjoining room entered there were two men and a woman i could distinguish perfectly leighton's sonorous voice he had been a lawyer of standing in years gone by but lately had been involved in one or two transactions a trifle shady in character chiefly pertaining to the administration of estates but nothing had ever been proved against him nor had the matter ever got into such shape that the papers could use it so far as the general public was concerned he stood well enough i felt i could not be wrong leighton was saying and i am glad that you are satisfied it must be a source of great satisfaction to you miss pendleton to be restored to your name and inheritance i am only sorry now it did not happen before poor father went the girl replied with a tremble in her voice and i fancied she was crying personally it was the englishman's voice 
i am satisfied of the identity but of course my principals in london will also have to be satisfied it would be best to leave at once i think for england for the sake of the pendleton name we must work secretly and quietly i would not want the matter in the public prints for the world i was listening with such intentness that it was some time before the soft and insistent grating of the door-knob caught my attention i tiptoed to the door lanagan entered in another moment leslie came in and after a few moments of interval brady and wilson two of leslie's steadiest thief-takers stepped in softly there was big game afoot of some sort leslie had his ear to the door he remained there for some time and then motioned brady who took his turn followed by wilson lanagan was sitting on a corner of the little table swinging his feet lazily but following every move made by the officers and watching every shade of expression in their faces leslie took another turn and a half-smile played over lanagan's face as that veteran chief finally stepped over to him and put out his hand lanagan gripped it not a word was spoken motioning to brady and wilson leslie stepped out and we followed he rapped on the door to the adjoining room leighton opened it a look of inquiry on his rotund features as swiftly as though a swab had been rubbed over it his look of inquiry shaded into one of alarm as he recognized leslie we filed in and wilson snapped the lock behind him and stood at the door brady walking quickly to the window and taking his position there not a word had as yet been spoken leighton stood as though stupefied the englishman a dapper well-dressed man of probably forty smoking a cigarette at ease raised his brows as we entered but said nothing on the edge of the bed the girl was sitting her wide eyes following leslie it was evident that she knew him by sight her resemblance to mrs peters was striking both were women of that blonde doll-faced type so frequently found in the night-life leighton said leslie the jig is up leighton sank into a chair the chief went to the connecting door tapped for a moment and then jabbed his knife through lanagan's ear-hole see he said laconically we've been listening there for thirty minutes gertrude pendleton is dead you know she is dead and her child with her and this woman here turning sharply to the girl knows that she is not gertrude pendleton she knows perfectly well that she is playing a crooked lost air case for you leighton as though he had been a jack-in-the-box holmes jumped to his feet heaven sir he cried why what are you saying who are you leslie threw back his coat displaying his diamond-studded shield chief of police leslie of san francisco he said shortly with a swift movement the girl's hand went to her corsage and in a flash lanagan had hurtled across the room and a tiny dagger spun to the floor she threw herself back upon the bed crying in sudden hysteria you might have let me done it you might have let me done it she wailed bitterly lanagan was wrapping up his hand he had got the point of the dagger through the ball of his thumb in the rush she jumped up again and threw herself at the feet of leslie it's my first crooked trick so help me chief he dragged me into it what was i to do it looked easy and it was a way out of the tenderloin 
leighton was glancing heavily his lips apart from the door to the window as though planning an attempt to escape by either means you've been shading pretty close on one or two things lately leighton said the chief grimly but i didn't think you had it in you to take a chance at the scaffold what do you mean by that chief gasped leighton with a sickly attempt at composure he means thundered lanagan that you are the man back of the murder of the real gertrude pendleton's child and the indirect killing of gertrude pendleton who was mrs peters he means that you are the man back of fogarty who is the man who secured the conviction in bannerman's court of peters that's what he means lanagan wheeled on the englishman how much money have you already paid leighton one thousand pounds for producing this girl he was to get four thousand more when final proof of identity was accepted by my principals in london leslie and lanagan exchanged glances it was big pickings for larry leighton twenty-five thousand dollars in all properly handled by fogarty it would go a long way to grease the wheels of justice in the police court leighton arose shaking like a palsied man and tottered rather than walked to the chief he extended his wrists put on the bracelets chief he said in a voice that was but a shadow of his rich voice i took my chances i'll take my medicine the girl hasn't done anything yet you can hold her on she knows nothing about the other thing the doctors had given me two years to live kidneys gone and i saw a chance for a big clean-up and the german springs it might have saved me big interrupted the englishman awed one hundred and fifty thousand pounds that's all chief resumed leighton i did the trick with a child myself i wouldn't trust anybody else the night was pitch black and there are no houses right near there you know i waited till the old lady went out after i finished the child i was going to get the mother but the front gate slammed it was peters coming home i slipped out the back door again i wanted the husband out of the way on general principles i did not know what his wife might have told him and he was better off in case any publicity attended the restoration of the girl here where he couldn't squeak in case his wife had ever told him her real name and story this girl here a tenderloiner that i picked up because she looks a good bit like mrs peters seems to have nerve enough for the deal and she was to collect the estate and give me half it was a big gamble you're right about the scaffold chief i never took any such chance before but this was a getaway stake for life for me and i took it i had no direct dealings with bannerman there's nothing on him i had talks with fogarty but paid no money in a general way he gathered i wanted the man across and i guess he gathered too that there would be a big clean-up all around at the end of it there's no case on anybody except myself nothing on bannerman or fogarty that would make a case in court possibly said lanagan curtly but plenty that the inquirer can print you're loyal to your pals leighton it appeared that leighton through a newspaper advertisement got into communication with the london firm of lawyers of which holmes was the confidential representative they had a theory that the girl they sought had gone to san francisco a runaway at the age of fifteen gertrude pendleton had been estranged from her father 
she had taken the downward path but the father relenting on his deathbed willed his estate to her and his executors had for months been endeavouring to locate her leighton immediately began his plotting to foist an impostor upon the executors and their lawyers it must be remembered that they had accepted him as a reputable lawyer he had made a secret trip to england and had secured a fairly complete record of the places the pendletons had lived in while the daughter was still with them originally residents of various parts of the british possessions the family had settled at applegate where the mother died the father following her some months later at applegate there were none who had ever known the daughter leighton's investigations in england failed to reveal any one who had in fact ever known her the pendletons only coming to england to settle down there a few years before to leighton's scheming brain the thing looked perfectly simple the murder plot was secondary it had been his original plan to find the real gertrude pendleton and if possible strike some bargain with her equipped with a picture of her taken at the age of fifteen he had finally traced her to find her respectably married consequently it was hardly likely that he could strike any combination with her that would give him the haul that he sought to make then with her alive there was always danger that she would disclose her identity to her husband when the child came along leighton keeping close tab on the peters concluded that inevitably motherly pride in the redeemed woman would bring about an attempt at a family reconciliation then would come to her the knowledge of her father's death and of her own inheritance he determined on one bold stroke kill mother and child on the gamble that what did happen would happen that the husband would be accused with the husband safely imprisoned or possibly executed his path with the impostor would be unimpeded he had coached his impostor well on the information gained on his english trip so much for leighton's story lanagan's story was startlingly simple after telephoning for me to cover fogarty's he had returned to watch the st germain fogarty finally came out and lanagan shadowed him to the mills building he came from there shortly in company with leighton and lanagan still in the grasp of his dead hand theory and knowing leighton by sight and his reputation in the inner circles for tangling up in estate cases dropped fogarty and followed leighton he went directly to the fairmont when he went to the desk to call for holmes lanagan was close at his side leighton did not know him by sight learning which room holmes had lanagan was fortunate in securing an unoccupied room adjoining and he was in his room ten minutes after leighton had entered holmes being fortunate enough to get the room merely hastened the climax because the case was already clearing in lanagan's mind his ear to the keyhole of the door connecting the two rooms many of the rooms in that hotel are so joined to permit of them being thrown into suites he had heard a fragment of conversation here and there and knew that leighton was bringing a girl for the englishman's examination who was being sought as a missing english heir finally the englishman shortly after eight o'clock had concluded to go with leighton to bring her desirous evidently of satisfying himself that she was in the tenderloin which seemed to be a point in their argument 
with holmes and leighton out of their room lanagan had set to work to whittle a hole in the door for better hearing facilities and then had sent the message to sampson that brought me to his room to lanagan's ranging mind the thing was as clear as print he had traced his connection past fogarty down to the last figure in the combination it was a long shot perhaps that leighton had put the real heir out of the way in order to impose an imposture on the estate and thus divide probably a full half but it was on long shots that lanagan's extraordinary brain usually won out the narratives were ended lanagan turned to leslie i want peters here chief to give the last note to my story to prevent any leak from the county jail i will have haddon get superior judge donlevy to telephone a verbal order of release to the jail for peters to be brought to the city to see his counsel it's rather unusual but that has been done before and donlevy will do it i think i'll get haddon in for the finals too he's been in the case pretty deep it was probably an hour later before haddon dropped into the room he had sent a machine for peters dunlevy telephoning the order a few minutes later peters in charge of a deputy sheriff entered and in brief and businesslike fashion the facts were laid before him it was a little too much for him to grasp all at once when he finally did it was the englishman who brought matters to a business basis by remarking leighton certainly seems to have been extremely positive about the identity of mrs peters did you know that she was gertrude pendleton sir said peters i married my wife as i found her and i asked no questions she made me a good wife she never talked about herself or her people did she have any keepsakes any old trinkets any pictures peters unbuttoned his shirt only this he said producing a locket attached to a fine gold chain she asked me to wear it when she was taken to bed and if anything happened to give it to the babe the police missed it in searching me it's her father and mother i think although she never said with eager fingers holmes opened the old-fashioned locket it is captain and mrs pendleton he said simply he looks as he looked the day before his death a silence fell upon the room as he snapped the locket and bowing profoundly passed it back to peters he then continued my mission here has certainly had a curious termination i will remain until the court matters against you are all disposed of i would suggest then that you return with me to london so that you can be on the ground in the arrangements for transferring the estate to you there will be no arrangements said peters i don't want the money the englishman stared incredulously don't want it don't want one hundred and fifty thousand pounds three-quarters of a million dollars it will a sheet to the crown if you refuse it let it then said peters stubbornly i don't want it why should i take something my wife didn't want there must be something wrong about it somewhere why should i make money by the death of my wife and child if she were here to share it if only my boy were here he broke down for the first time since his arrest and sobbed throwing his arm over his head in a wild burst of grief finally he composed himself i'll go back to my trade he said simply hard work is the best thing for me now 
he turned to lanagan and their hands met in a long hard clasp if it can be done i'll turn the money over to you mr lanagan thanks peters no i've only done a newspaperman's work what the inquirer pays me to do you're all man and it's been a pleasure to clear you to leslie again the master newspaper mind calculating the minutes swiftly slipping around after midnight he snapped it's in your hands now chief keep everybody here and stall around for an hour or so while norton and i give the town a story that if it doesn't make a case in court against fogarty and bannerman will at least chase fogarty out of town till it blows over and beat bannerman out of the nomination for superior judge his name comes before the convention to-morrow night we're off then to me as he swiftly pelted out of the room key up to it norrie this is some stem winder end of story seven